Shomrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock. Sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Oh, lovely, crisp, modern audio there, Benjamin. I'm doing a new <laughs> intro thing now. I'm doing a new intro thing where every week I'm going to introduce a weird character. And this week it's Granny Bitters. Oh, lovely, modern <laughs> audio there, Benjamin. Get me one of me bitters. Anyway, Ben, we don't have time to dive into Granny Bitters <laughs> because we've loads of stuff to look at this week, including do Americans even have a sense of irony already? Also, we're going to have a look at Stranger, Things, Stranger Things Season 5 which may or may not be in trouble because someone might have said something dumb. And, Ben, you've shown me a trailer for She Is Conan. What the fuck is that? We need to get, we need to dive into what the fuck that is because I thought it was one of my famous fever dreams. We've also seen a second What the Fuck Is That trailer this week with Adam Sandler, the sandiest man on all the beach in Spaceman, Benjamin. And I've read, but you haven't, the exciting new volume of Saga, Saga Volume 11. We're going to take a look at that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, Michael, yeah. sure, listen, if that wasn't enough, yeah. and it isn't, yeah. it's quite a quite a tight running order this week. Uh, why are we mad for stress in our stories, Michael? Why are we all, why are we all getting semis for an old story about stress? Mm? <laughs> mm? What's going on? You've thrown me a curveball bear there, Benjamin. I was not expecting any talk <laughs> of semis this early in the running. I order. wasn't either. No. I wasn't either. Caught us both off guard. Mm. Benjamin. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very uncomfortable with that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, I'm done. I'm I'm done now. Yeah. Benjamin, do the Americans yeah. even have a sense of irony already? I don't think so, Michael. We 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 flirted with virality again this week, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, and, isn't it? And we we published a, a small short, Michael, covering the story of, and I'm going to get it right this time. It's Io Idebri. Io Idebri, and I'm sorry I got that wrong. I said Ao Idebri last week, and I had a few people correct me, and I do apologise for that. Fair enough. It's Io Idebri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is her name? Yeah, you've overegged that now, Ben. Ben, you've had a fair yes. few people correct you. Let's be fair. Like in, yeah, no, in the thousands. I have. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? what? Fair. Yeah, yeah. It's grand. Yeah. I don't actually mind yeah. that. That's actually grand. Because I tell you what, Michael, if someone was calling me, I don't know, Benjamin Kaloppy, I'd be pretty annoyed about Benjamin, that. I would. I have a theory about yeah. this. Can I cut across you for a stupid theory? I keep seeing things like this on <laughs> yeah, I what? keep seeing things on the internet about like if you can pronounce Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Fassbender, you can pronounce Shooty Gatwa. No, that's not true. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Fassbender have been household names for decades mm. and Shuti Gatwa is a new household name. Yes. But I guarantee you, when Arnold Schwarzenegger first came on the scene, people weren't getting his bloody name right. There were an awful lot of Austrian racial slurs being thrown around at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's not touch that with a fucking barge pole. <laughs> anyway, Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of not touching things with a barge pole, the internet's came for you. Yeah, well, it came for both of us, Michael, I think, if, it, if, if we want to. But they came for a weird no, no, reason, no. Michael. I thought, if we if we publish this, I thought maybe people might take issue with the fact that 
you know, we were questioning somebody's ethnicity or nationality based on the colour of their skin or that we found it unusual that someone would claim Io Edebri. And, uh, you know, fair fair enough. Maybe it was a hint racist to be like, oh, she couldn't be Irish and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't say that, Michael. What we did put in there, Michael, we, we actually had a very even take on it. What we did put in there, Michael, was a very tongue-in-cheek joke about how Americans don't have a sense of humour. Um, yeah. Guess what, though? And Michael, as it turns out, they don't. Guess what? <laughs> no, not they a, don't. Not a fucking hint of one. Because nobody took issue with anything other than a small throwaway joke in a one-minute video. And all the plastic patties, Michael, came out of the woodwork. And all we got was, oh, so you'll claim her, but you won't claim the real diaspora. And we're like, you're not the diaspora. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah. you're, you're 16th yeah, you generation American-Irish. Benjamin. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, right? Americans, broadly, grand bunch of lads. Grand bunch of lads. Broadly speaking, grand bunch of lads. There's yeah. a few bad eggs among them. Uh, uh, we won't get we won't get into naming them. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Noah Schnapp. Yeah, Noah Schnapp, allegedly. <laughs> every president. Every, yeah. But Benjamin. Go on. The thing about the thing about putting a comment on the internet where you say Americans don't have a sense of humour with your tongue firmly in your cheek, is the only people who are going to respond to that is the Americans who don't have a sense of humour. It's like... Because the Americans who do have a sense of humour are going to go, ha-ha, oh, that guy got us. Oh, what a and zinger from that guy over day. there. Oh, wow. God. Zing. Um, a, but yeah, no... That guy's it, got a real sense of humour. I, I must have let off a flare, Michael. Because uh, <laughs> all we got was people like, oh, really? Oh, really? A country of, of 30 million people and we don't have... It's like, yes, well, you might be proving my point just a little bit. Just a little bit. Congress. Benjamin, I tell you what, this whole conversation reads like your first day on the internet. Have you not been on the internet? No, I know, Michael, but Michael, Michael, what is the mantra of this podcast what? in 2024? Milk it. Milk it for content. <laughs> yeah, everything is content, Michael. <laughs> everything is content. Everything is content. Including the fact that Americans have a, have no sense of irony or humour. Um, I would like to apologise to the sound Americans who chimed in there and said, oh, that's quite funny. Um, thank you, yeah, yeah. lads. That was very much appreciated. Yeah. To the rest of you, grow up. That's <laughs> fucking silly. Yeah, yeah. Fucking You've silly. done Ben a big favour because, realistically speaking, his entire persona hangs on what people on the internet think of him. That's it. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. That's all so, he's got. That's um, all he's got, ladies and gentlemen. Because he had The Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, but then I ruined that on him last week. So now all he has left is, what do internet strangers think of him? Speaking of how important it is to know what strangers on the internet think of us is... Oh, Benjamin, you, you picked up what I was fucking putting down. <laughs> could you? If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even if this is your first episode, ladies and gentlemen, would you do us a favour? Do us a little favour there. Now, what? I am going to steal the the lauded character of Granny Bitters. Granny that, Bitters, yeah. That most classic and traditional of Irish characters, Granny Bitters. And I'm going to say, come here to me, mm. come here to me. Do you know what those lads over at Chiluxalisten have? What is it that they have there? They have some, one of those modern things. They've got a crisp modern audio setup and a razor sharp take on the happenings of the day. Oh yeah, now that's a bit much, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, all right. Granny Bitters has turned into a racist caricature of working class Dublin. I apologise. No, no, um, no, no, no. It's not that. It's just I think that razor sharp take on the issues of the day is a bit kind. I d- well, I didn't say that. Granny Bitters said it. 
yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah uh, true. But come here to me, come here to me. If you do like our less than razor sharp take on the issues of the day, and you've been listening to this podcast for a while, if you enjoy listening to us weekly, or even if you've been listening to us on our shorts and reels a bit more, would you do us a huge favour, ladies and gentlemen, and go and give us a review wherever you're listening. We've been doing this for a while and we've never really pushed reviews and it's probably about time (laughs) that we did that. So if you have a few minutes or even if you don't have a few minutes and you have to rush a review, just give us a star review or write down what you think of us. Even if you don't like us, even if you think we don't understand that Americans do have a sense of humour, go give us a review. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Everything is fucking content, baby. Everything is content, baby. We really would appreciate it. Uh, And thank you to anyone who's been listening for a while. We're a bit much. We know. We're aware. We're aware. Speaking of people, Ben, who are a bit much, what's uh, Noah Schnapp up to? Uh, Michael, Stranger Things Season 5 is is to hit us at some point next year. Right. Right. Square in the face. Now, Michael, I'm going to say, for for a few different reasons, Season 5 of Stranger Things might be in trouble. It certainly is kicking up a lot of controversy and not about, is it going to be any good as a show? Yeah, nobody cares about the quality of the show, Michael. I think we can fairly rest safely in knowing that it's going to be middle of the road, solidly put together schlock. Because that's kind of what Stranger yeah. Things is. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be some sort of monster. Yeah. But it's it's not that, Michael. The, the, unfortunately for Stranger Things, because it's taking so long between seasons, its cast is growing up at a rapid pace. No, actually, Ben, they're growing up at a precisely at a normal pace. Yeah, that's what I said, a rapid pace, Michael. Um, no, Benjamin, and- they're growing up at a normal pace, the same pace that all humans grow up at. Yeah, that's what I said, Michael, a rapid pace. So, come here to me. Uh, the problem with that, Michael, is sometimes kids grow up what? to be pricks. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are born pricks, Ben. Some people grow up to be pricks. Grow up to be pricks. Now, Michael, there are two figures in the Stranger Things cast that have been very vocal in their support of the ethnically cleansing, genocidal Israeli government and military force. Oh, that's probably not a great take to take if you're trying to sell something. No, not really. One of them is a young man who's probably, in fairness to him, just a bit misinformed. And we, we might, we might, Michael give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's around the wrong people they may be feeding him information he could have you know be given the wrong thing but Noah Schnapp got himself in trouble very early on in the current news cycle about Palestine and Israel by going around and handing out Zionism is sexy stickers if there's one if there's one thing Zionism isn't yeah 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 (laughs) It's sexy. Um, Zionism is uh, an ethnocentric, racist doctrine that really isn't sexy. (laughs) That Mm. really isn't sexy. So, come here to me. He was doing this with a group of people. He was filmed doing it. And that began the Noah Schnapp backlash. Now, for any normal person, Michael, that saw this, they might go, oh, yes. Is this akin to when I was cancelled? for wearing my little badge of Oliver Cromwell that says, to hell or to Connacht for life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's you. That's, that's you. What, that's you shouldn't what I have done that, Michael. No, no, people didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. You also shouldn't have gone around handing out those badges at the Sinn Féin Ordesh. That was really <laughs> awkward. I don't know why ah, you did that. Ah, Benjamin. 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 In fairness, anything to wind Sinn Féin up a little bit. <laughs> 
very good. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a very well. niche joke. If you like that joke, ladies and gentlemen, you might be Irish and you might give us a review wherever you listen. Um, come here to me. But anyway, Noah Schnapp, any sane person with a PR agent would then be told, eh, tone it down, give over, stop that. Get that's not down. good. Keep your head low. Stop but then, stuff. unfortunately, um, what he did instead was take to social media and begin posting pro-Zionist, anti-Palestinian content um, religiously, <laughs> almost. Oh, what um, an interesting, and, what an interesting word to choose, Ben. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, and then, Michael, this week, what surfaced in in the wake of the news that Stranger Things season five is underway is an apology video from Young oh, Joe, uh, from classic, Young Noah Schnapp. A classic teary-eyed apology video. Uh, well, a bit worse than that, Michael. This is an apology video without an actual apology. Um, oh, aka th- Ben. This is an, ap- an apology video. Yes, this is an apology video where Noah Schnapp turned around and said, "Oh, some of my views have been misconstrued, and some of my beliefs have been misconstrued." In other words, it's not me, guys. You misunderstood. Mm. You you did that, um, and it has all the genuine kind of feeling of some salty, salty crocodile tears, Michael. And there's one thing that's really important about Stranger Things, and that's that Gen Z is a big proponent of the the fandom that works for Stranger Things. They like that show. And a lot of Gen Z have TikTok and are very pro-Palestinian. Mm. It's, it's messy. It's messy. Not great. And then, Michael. What? The only thing that could make your week worse as a Stranger Things PR man is the fact that Brett Gelman, who plays, I think it's Murray on Stranger Things, he plays oh, the crazy conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Yeah, so it turns out he's an absolute psychopath in real life. He's not. Oh, is he? Oh, that's amazing. He's also on TikTok uh, posting pro Zionist content, but he does so just endlessly. He just, and he screams at the camera about how Gen Z are genociders against Jews. And it's insane. He has videos where he does kind of an old-timey American jingle about from the river to the sea means you want to kill me. And he's doing it with his partner slash wife. Um, Very strange. It's like a vaudeville jingle conspiracy theory. Very strange, Michael. He's nuts. Um, And he's now booking a ton of Israeli tours and propaganda things so it's been great for his career on one side of things mm. and absolutely terrible for Stranger Things on the other Stranger Things are in damage control mode well luckily Benjamin they're the only two controversies yeah that's it there's definitely nothing else like I don't know taking one of the few actors of colour on your show and then just not telling them that they're not going to be in season 5 oh good who's that yeah so Eduardo Franco who Oh, le- uh, it was a very late addition in season four. The least problematic Franco brother. Yes, the least problematic Franco brother. I don't think he has any affiliation to the Franco brothers, but for, for the sake of this podcast, Michael, yes, the least problematic Franco brother. Pardon me. That was- yeah. <clears throat> That's including, Benjamin. That's including James Franco. Yes. Kieran Franco. And General Franco. Yes, General Franco. One of the worst Franco brothers, in fact. Uh, Yeah, yeah, only in the top five, though. But he played Argyle, Michael, on Stranger Things Season 4, and Argyle, or Eduardo Franco, has claimed this week that he was never even told that he wouldn't be coming back. He just guest star or main cast, Ben? uh, He was main cast. He was in all eight episodes. 
was he main cast though contractually there's a difference between a guest star and a main oh, cast oh I have no idea I'm cast? sorry I, that I don't know Michael I would imagine mm. he probably wasn't main cast he, like, I imagine he was probably contracted for eight episodes and was expecting some sort of special treatment to be told that they wouldn't be bringing him back rather than just to not be brought back yeah. as so many actors have been throughout history I'm not saying it's good form no, it's but I'm saying it's, it's kind of the norm I imagine yeah. For guest yeah, yeah. stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Stranger Things season five, it's going to be uh, running up that hill, Michael. Um, <laughs> oh, the hill of controversy. The hill of controversy, Michael. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Look, weird, weird stuff. It's too long between seasons, Michael. Ah, look, we'll cope. There was COVID and everything, Benjamin. Speaking, though, Ben, of weird controversies. Go on. Do you know what the French call a controversy? Conan? Une controverse. Oh, okay, it's not that. Okay. No, I don't know if that's true. I've just made that up anyway. What the fuck is she is Conan? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? This is, this is fun. Um, it looks like it was plucked straight out of my feverish mind moments before I wake up on one of those nights where you know you have to get up early to go to the airport so you just have terrible stress dreams. Or like one of the dreams you have when you have any kind of slow-cooked confit. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's no need to bring that up on the podcast, Ben. There's no, no need to bring up my one weakness on the podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to get the advantage over young Mick Leonard, invite him over for a nice meal. A nice French meal. I'll have a nice meal, as long as it's not confit, Benjamin. <laughs> Just don't confit it. But come here to me, Michael. This what? is fucking mental. We got a trailer for She Is Conan uh, mm. this week, Michael. And this comes from a, a fairly out there director, Michael. It's a guy called Bertrand Mandico. What's he done? He's done absolutely mental stuff, Michael. It's all strange. There's not one bit of it. That isn't strange. I'll read it out to you here. You won't have heard of any of them, but they are relatively popular as cult films. I am mad for cult French cinema. uh, The Wild Boys. Never heard of it. In 2017. After Blue. Never heard of it. In 2021. Our Lady of Hormones in 2015. What's that? I told you. Two actresses are rehearsing a play over a weekend in a country house. While walking in the ones, one unearths a strange thing. A creature without cavity nor members, the size of a seal. The creature becomes an object of desire for both women, desperate to own the thing. But they don't know what it is. They just found Our Lady of Hormones. There's a weird... That's she is Conan, is it? No, that's Our Lady of Hormones. Oh. No. All of these, Michael, are insane... French cinema. They are all out there, bizarre French cinema. But she is Conan, Michael. And I'm going to read you the synopsis because this is bloody hard well, to figure ben, out. Well, can I take a stab at the synopsis? Go on, you, you give it a whirl. It appears to be a post-apocalyptic gender-swapped retelling of the story of Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. But then the trailer takes a turn and it mm-hmm. turns out it's not just post-apocalyptic. It's also prehistoric. And futuristic. And basically we see six iterations of the mm-hmm. lifestyle, the life, sorry, not the lifestyle, the lifetime of Conan as yep. a French woman. Yep. 
Absolute bonkers. You got what a mad idea. You, yeah, it's described as a barbaric fantasy sci-fi journey, bending and fracturing sword and sorcery mythology with a love for 80s films. And people getting stabbed. People getting stabbed, man. In the chest. Getting them in the chest. Getting, getting stabbed in the old chest. This is mental. It's a gender-bent, gender-swapped Conan retelling that's shot on 35mm film and is a series of vignettes throughout time telling the story of one woman her self-loathing, her desire for other women. Lots of things. It's, it's insane French cinema, Michael. Colopy, how yeah. has this ended up on our radar? Or as the French say, le radar. Michael, it popped up on my YouTube today and I was like, well, that's going in the running order. There's that's no a- way that's not going in the running order. Fabulous. Sometimes it's just serendipity, isn't it? Benjamin, I would be terribly unsurprised if this happened to actually already be out and we just have never noticed it before. It was already out. It's being released in mainstream cinema in 2024, but it is you can find it out now if you want to pay 24.99 for a European DVD. Oh, I don't, Benjamin. Benjamin, mainstream cinema, or as the French say, le cinéma mainstream. Yes, speaking of weird choices, Michael, for phrasing, yeah. um, yeah. we got a trailer this week for Adam Sandler's A Serious Actor again. Huzzah! He's a serious actor, man. He's starring in the film which will be known as French, in French as Le Homme de Space. Le Homme du Space uh, is, of course, Spaceman in the old Anglaise, ladies and gents. And uh, yeah, Adam Sandler's back being a serious actor. Benjamin, um, I thought this was a comedy when I saw the trailer. Oh no, Michael, this is very serious. It's a very serious very- film where he's a Russian man. He's doing a very Russian accent, isn't he? One of my favourite things, Michael, is not only Adam Sandler doing an accent, but Adam Sandler doing any serious role ever. Because the thing I love about Adam Sandler the most, Michael, is he's fucking great at acting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of tragic comic actors are actually great at acting when they're not just making movies where they take all their mates to Barbados and film around the pool. <coughs> Pardon me. This is not good podcasting. Oh, what, what's wrong, man? Did you see some confit? Had a, had a cough, yes. I've just upchucked to fat boiled meats. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Might not make it through the episode if I keep lashing those phrases around. But it, come here to me, this is so interesting because this is part of Adam Sandler's massive Netflix deals, which so far, Michael, has churned out such gems as The Ridiculous Eight, which was mm. a pastiche on The Hateful Eight. Uncut um, gems. Uncut Gems, which was Adam Sandler does a serious thing with the Safdie brothers. Mm. We've gotten other ones like Adam Sandler reunites with Jennifer Aniston to play a couple who are solving mysteries around Europe. Yeah, rubbish. I don't have much time for Adam Sandler, Ben. I I just can't get into him. I can't get past Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. I love him. I love him. I cannot get enough of Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is unironically one of my favourite actors. The Wedding Singer is a huge comfort movie for me, Michael. That's a very um, good, very good pe- film of its time, Ben. A, f- a film of its time, Michael, but one I enjoy nonetheless. But this is this has a huge cast, right down to the director, Michael. The director is Joseph Renk, or Johan Renk, apologies, Johan Renk. And for any listeners on the podcast, the last thing he did for us was HBO's miniseries Chernobyl. Or Chernobyl, as we say. Yeah, yeah, very important, Michael. A very serious thing that got very, very high praise. Yeah, yeah. So he's at the helm of this one. He's a Swedish director, Michael. Oh, go on. And he's taken this one over. We've seen other things from Johan Rink over the years. He's done a lot of directing um, for Breaking Bad. 
He's done three episodes for them. He's done a good bit of directing for The Walking Dead. Oh, one of our favourites on the podcast, famously. One of our favourites on the podcast. And Michael, you know all the mental fucking perfume ads? Let's let's take a pause here. This is, okay. a, this is a weird one. But you know the way perfume ads are just fever dreams in cinematic form? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this attractive person. They're on a boat, but the boat is on dry land. How sexy. And now they're on and now they're on gold dust. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're carved out of marble. Joseph Rank does a ton of perfume ads. Does he? <laughs> he does. He's done a whole bunch of them. The one that you would have seen lately was Chanel number no. five, Dancing to the Moon. It's the one with Marianne Cotillard where she's on the bridge and she goes dancing on the moon. Benjamin uh, I, with that gentleman. Benjamin, I yeah. do not and I'm not trying to make a big deal of this. I do not have broadcast television. So I I have not seen any of those ads ever. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair enough. But Joseph Frank's a real dark horse because he also directed David Bowie's last ever music video for Blackstar. Did he? That was Johan Rink. Yeah, he did that as well. Cool. Johan Rink has possibly, Michael, one of the most interesting cinematographies in the past. He is currently producing... Day of the Triffids, the the adaptation of Day of the Triffids for TV. So that's him. He's directing all the episodes there. That sounds very um, exciting. That's very exciting. Day of the Triffids, ladies and gentlemen, is a massively seminal sci-fi work from way back in the day. And it's it's pretty interesting to see that brought. But in 2021, Michael, he did ABBA, Thank You for the Music, an all-star tribute. So he's he's a dark horse, is our Joseph Some Rank. man for one man. Johan Rank. Why do you keep calling keep him calling Joseph? Joseph. <laughs> keep calling him Joseph. Is that like... Oh. Uh, Linguistic imperialism kicking in there. I possibly. Yeah, well, I'm possibly. going to call you Joseph because Johan doesn't really roll <laughs> off the tongue the way I like. Johan rolls off the tongue a bit better than Joseph, I think. But anyway, old Johan Sebastian Rank. Yeah. Um, that's not his middle name, ladies and gentlemen. He's a dark horse from filmography. Anyway, Ben, look, we'll watch Spaceman then since you've you've convinced me. with the. Cr- yeah, but come here. What? What's going on in this, Michael? He's up in space. Speaking of fever dreams. He's in space. But then there's an Aragog from Harry Potter. He's knocking around. What's an Aragog? It's a big spider. Oh, just a hairy spiderly boy. So the premise of this is fairly simple, ladies and gentlemen. What would happen if you went absolutely mental on a spacecraft by yourself? You'd probably hallucinate a giant spider voiced by Paul Dano. Is it Paul Dano? I've always said Paul Dano. uh, Paul, uh, it's Paul Dano. It's probably Paul Dano. But uh, yeah, he becomes his emotional support spider in space. Oh, very good. And, his Wilson. Uh, yeah, it's very good. His Wilson, if you will. Yeah, his Wilson, if you will. And then Carrie Mulligan plays his, his estranged wife who he's left on Earth. Oh, Carrie. I always said Carrie. I, oh, I always said Carrie Mulligan. Oh, that's so interesting. Look at us. Oh, that's interesting. Look at us. Isn't it? But anyway, Look this looks mental, Michael. A fascinating blend of reality dreams and one man's longing to figure out what he wants from life. Exactly. You should just start a podcast like everyone else. Yeah, so just start a podcast like everybody else. Let's move it yeah. on there, yeah. Colopy. What's next? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I it's been so long since I've looked at the running <laughs> you've, order. You've hidden the running order on um, me. Look. I've hidden the running look, order because I'm an absolute bastard. It's a thing we always say, but every podcast is someone's first podcast. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> volume 11 is nobody's first volume of saga because it's actually the 11th one. Ah, oh, Michael, so much saga. What a saga. What an absolute saga, Benjamin. Benjamin, we are huge fans. Oh, look at this. Look at all these notes. <laughs> we are, look at oh, look at all those spicy notes. We are huge fans. <laughs> ben, can I speak for you on this? <laughs> yes. 
I can speak for you on this. Okay, I'm authorized to speak on Ben's behalf. Oh God! Here's the podcast. <laughs> Here's the podcast. We are huge, huge fans of saga and racism. Oh no! Oh, I gave away me, my rights. Oh. <laughs> and and Ben, we've been reading. Well, I've been reading at least saga. I think since 2012 or 2013. Yeah, we when both have. Kicked, when it kicked off a huge controversy by having a willy on the second or third page. Remember that. Remember that. Remember, remember that. when that was a shocking thing. Oh man! Remember when everyone was going. Remember everyone was going around Ben going, "Come here, come here, come here." There's a willy in this comic. Did you know that? There's a, there's a fucking there's a fucking cock on page three. There's a fucking willy in this comic. Come here, come here, and I'll show you. I'll show you. And then they'd open the comic, and they go, "Look, it's a fucking willy." And sure enough, Michael, a penis. Hark, it's, it's a penis. An erect penis, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was a good old thudding erection. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. But um, then, then mm. to everyone's surprise, controversy baiting aside, to get issue one off the ground, and um, boy did it. It turned. And boy, did it, Benjamin, let alone the cover, which featured a character having the temerity, the absolute temerity in the year of our Lord 2013 to breastfeed. I know. Yeah, the, the fucking temerity of it, Ben. We, we came here to see erect penises, not to see women feeding their children. I'm fairly certain the Archbishop of Ireland at the time said no to that. Michael Jackson, the Archbishop of Ireland, Michael Jackson. Yeah, he turned around and he was like, down with that sort of thing. Down with that sort of thing, Benjamin, he yeah. said. Uh, but the also whole thing. up with mini skirts. Ben, what were we saying? But it turned out to be fucking great stuff. Ah, oh, fantastic, Michael. What a blending of, of worlds. What a blending of genres. So Saga is kind of known, Michael, for... It's not just sci-fi. There's a lot of space. There's Colby, a lot of... Yes. Shut up for a second. One of our very first episodes on this podcast was... Yeah, fan- fuck you! What was that? <laughs> One of Hold our very the fucking first phone! One of our very first episodes on this podcast, Ben, was fan casting a saga TV series or movie. Michael, you know for a fact that I block what? out every single episode we've ever done of this the moment we're finished <laughs> recording. Do you remember we did that episode, Ben? We did a whole thing. I think we cast Stephen Yoon as as Marco. Yeah, he would have been great. Relatively unknown. Yeah, remember when Stephen Yoon wasn't that known? He was just Glenn off The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't walking around carrying armfuls of BAFTAs. No, not at all. Anyway, sorry, not Ben. Tell us, about, tell us about Saga. Excuse me. I won't, <clears throat> no, I'll stop it's, interrupting. It's... No, you won't. Oh, uh, Saga's a very interesting thing, Michael. And over the years... So 2012. So we're 12 years into this now, Michael. Sorry. Yeah, we are. We're 12 years into this now. Yeah. And it is a saga in every sense of the word. Um, we're only up to issue 63, I think. Are something we? like that, yeah. Something, I actually 63? don't have it in front of me here, but it's something like that. We're up to 63, but it's been going for a while, and it's really, really unique. Brian K. Vaughan is the writer of it, and Fiona Staples is the artist of it. And at the time, Michael, Brian K. Vaughan was known, and still is known, for penning an epic. He likes a long but fixed run. That's mm. what he enjoys doing. Mm. There's always an end point but he'll take a while to get there if he can. Brian K. Vaughan famously wrote Why the Last Man? Why not? And things like that. Why not the last man? Yeah. And in this particular case, Michael, Saga has been gone for a while, but it is a, a fascinating blend of fantasy and science fiction. Mm. So in Saga, what you get is things... It's essentially a Doctor Who universe. I quite, I quite think of it as a Doctor Who universe. The aliens are weird as fuck. There's a whole race of royal telly people. There are people that um, look like Teletubbies, but their heads are Teletubbies, not their Tubbies. Yeah, 
there's organic spaceships that are just trees that fly through space. So there's a lot of interesting things being played with. But I suppose one of the things, Michael, that really breaks Saga out from any kind of mold is it's a very human comic in the sense that there's a lot of sex and violence and tragedy. Yes. So much yeah. tragedy, Ben. So many people dying needless, pointless, upsetting deaths. And that's the point. And that is the point, because in war and in revenge, people die needless, pointing, upsetting deaths. There are a lot of interesting things, Michael. It, uh, Brian K. Vaughan, spoilers for some of this, he takes his characters in some very interesting directions. And he, I, I would say, takes a joy in doing so. One of the things that has always stood out to me, Michael, is there's a bounty hunter that's introduced in the first six issues of Saga called The Will. Mm. And Ben, famously, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Michael, The Will is our badass character. He's the he's the the unstoppable force coming after our heroes. And then he goes through a series of uh, emotional damages, yeah. <laughs> essentially. And he becomes incredibly fat. He develops an eating disorder oh. uh, in response to this. Wouldn't say he becomes um, incredibly fat. Well, he he becomes obese. You hit, and you hit a bit of a trigger there, Ben. I apologise, I'm sorry. Uh, just think of Confi Duck and you should sort yourself out, no problem. Uh, but come here to me. He lets himself go and the incredibly badass character develops an eating disorder that he has to deal with over several issues. Um, there's a, a mother character who develops an addiction problem at a certain point in the world and it's set against the backdrop michael of an interstellar war Mm. i guess and and the characters are forced to deal with everything that comes with war there are planets that couldn't give a toss Mm -hmm. about what's going on there are planets that use it as entertainment Mm -hmm. there are planets that have refugee crises crises Mm. as a result of this interstellar war it is a fascinating comic and it really lives up to its title But then, Benjamin, it disappeared in 2018 and I, it had slipped my mind to the point where I couldn't even, you were in my house, Ben, and the two of us were scrambling around the dirt like rats going, where are my saga comics? They'd be worth a penny. Because I, I'm not going to sell them, Ben, I don't sell stuff, I hoard stuff like a mad rat. (laughs) But uh, we were going, where, what happened to saga? Is it gone? Is it over? But it turns out it isn't over over at all. It's It's back. It's back. Back on the show because apparently it was on a it was on a planned indefinite hiatus. Yes, yeah, on a, a planned indefinite hiatus. Now it's important to note, Michael, that Saga did take regular breaks, not hiatus, yeah. hiatuses, but it did take mm. regular breaks in publishing. So Brian K. Vaughan wrote to his to his his people, and he explained that he has a plan for Saga, and that plan is apparently one hundred and eight issues. Michael, is that correct? Yeah. So he's working his way towards that, but obviously this is an undertaking. Fiona Staples has remained the artist on this run since day one. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with comics, that is actually quite unusual. It's unusual, Benjamin. Hey, Ben. Yeah. Fiona Staples. Real name or cool comic book pseudonym? I hope it's a cool comic book pseudonym. So do I. Um, I also hope it's her real name. Both are so cool. Do I. Like, I hope both are true. I hope both are true. Here's hoping both are true. Here's hoping she came up with that and then yeah. changed her name to it illegally so that both Fiona, are true. <laughs> yes, both are true. Fiona, get up on the Discord and let us know. Yeah, Fiona, come be our pal on the Discord, please. Let us um, know. Fiona Staples, of course, Michael, is now renowned for this art style. Fiona Staples has a phenomenal range 
in terms of what she can draw realistically and stylistically consistent. It's Wonka Donkers uh, because uh, yeah, it's it's she, her range is so good that she can even though it's the same artist, you're going from one planet to another and you're like, oh my brain, hold on, it's going to take a minute to readjust to this, this, this oh this is a grim and grimy modern world that looks like America now. And then it's like, oh, this is a fantasy world made of trees and ghosts. And then yeah. you're like, oh, this is a gas planet where everyone's floating around the place and there's little seal men. And she's capable of rendering each of those environments and each of those new types of characters with a remarkable skill. And one of the one of the things that I think makes it such an enjoyable art style is it is deceptively simple looking. Mm, Her yeah. art is very elegantly minimal. Mm. Um and it does a great job. And all the lettering is done by Fiona Staples. Yeah, yeah, and very well as well. Because you have and very like well. the young characters, when the young characters are narrating, it's in like childish pencil scribbles. Fabulous yeah. stuff. Ben, one of the coolest things about Volume 11, and we're going to get slightly into mild spoilers about Volume 11. Yeah, because it's discussing back. Because it. it's back, baby. That means it's been back for nearly a year in individual form. But January 2023. Yeah. So we're looking at um, now in the collected issue. Like we used to on our other podcast, Collecting Issues. The bi-weekly comic book book club, which may or may not be making a comeback sometime soon, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Ben, one of the best things about it coming back in 2020, what is this? 2023, 2024, is... The comic, not Collecting Issues, the bi-weekly comic book club. Is because it has had a relatively small number of issues, but over a long period of time, it's almost like a time capsule of parodies and pastiches of issues of the day so yeah. a big part of this this volume is really it, it it runs around the theme of revenge being futile and pointless and and expanding the cycles of sadness and it does it very well but also it has a fabulous bit where the main character the now main character i guess alana is trying to look after her two children and she's had to get a job, Benjamin, in space Amazon fulfillment. Yeah, and pretty much. It is fucking gas. One of the gassest things I've seen in comics in the last ten years is a beloved character who's been on vast interstellar adventures with a mad variety of weird aliens, working in a modern Amazon factory, packing irons into boxes while creatures that look every inch like the Dementors from Harry Potter, but wearing high-vis vests. Nice. Spook around the place, asking everyone, are we feeling fulfilled today, fulfillment family? Brilliant stuff. Michael, there, we, we've talked a few times on this podcast about the death of canon. You know, it, it used to be in certain serialised storytelling forms, you could, you could bet, you could bet the house, Michael, mm. That the good guys would come up trumps and, you know, normality would be restored at some point in your run. Brian K. Vaughan has never met a canon he liked. Benjamin, sorry, I was only half listening to you there. Did you say the trumps are sorry. the good guys? Yeah, that's what I said. Good. That's yeah, what good. I said. Yeah. 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 Make America exactly great again in 2024. 
Yep, that's exactly what I said, Michael. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> Nailed it. This is, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Imaga. Ireland makes America great again. <laughs> Single um, That's the name of our podcast. And yeah, no, in all seriousness, though, folks, fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> um, and secondarily, uh, Brian K. Vaughan has never met Canon that he likes. Yeah. He is not a fan, and nor would he ever be, of keeping his story or keeping his characters in a set universe where bad things don't happen to them because jesus christ michael bad things happen inside oh bad things happen to everybody you never know who's going to get face exploded so is is volume 11 any good fabulous great great it's like like a like a warm old blanket but modern pure modern pure modern i don't know will it age terribly well i mean are we going to look back at it in 20 years and go what's this bit about the why are there ghosts in a packing factory what's this mean i don't get it because will we will we always remember this era of exploiting of human souls and existence by demonic entities well of course michael the fact will be that we will live in the amazon empire at that point and speaking out against our lord and master jeffrey bezos will actually be forbidden so we won't be able to look back and say oh that's mental because that kind of thing will have been erased by the censorship board of amazon very at that point very very good benjamin i see another little bit of linguistic imperialism there you're calling him jeffrey are you like well you know I, i felt that jeffrey rolled off the thong more sufficiently well Jeffrey is remarkably colonial in his attitude to life, so I feel like it's very suitable. I don't Fan feel there, Michael, fantastic. so much linguistic superiority as linguistic accuracy. Yeah. Benjamin, anyway, look, listeners, get out there, yeah. get get Saga Volume Eleven, and get it in you because it's good. Go buy it in Dublin Comics. Yeah. Go, go go over there. Where I got mine. Go do that. Good eggs. Go do that. Nice bunch of lads over there at Dublin Comics. Great bunch of lads. But yeah, so that was Saga. And uh, I tell you what it is, Michael, when you read Saga, it's fucking stressful. Is it, though? Can be, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of asking, I was, I was giving you a kind of elaborate there, elaborate. No, no, I'll give you a little fucking slap. I said, no, oh. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not biting. I'm not taking your hook today, you right. efficient okay. son of a bitch. Now, right, ladies and gentlemen, what of course I'm getting at there is one of the things that happens when you destabilize a reader's sense of... I know what's going to happen in this story is that your reader goes, oh, the stakes are very high here. Oh, Jesus Christ. What mm, if mm, what mm. if they don't make it? And there's been a few moments in Saga's history, and I won't go into spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, because we just told you to go and buy the comic. But there have been a few devastating moments in Saga where a character has met their end and your brain, because it's been... I suppose because it's been born and raised on fulfilling relatively safe narratives goes, no, 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 that's not possible. There has to be a resurrection Mm. or uh, he'll come back or uh, that was his clone or, you know, there are a million ways in which the comic book industry sidesteps the awkward issue of death. Brian K. Vaughan doesn't do that. Uh, So instead, what we get is permanent death and unexpected permanent death for characters that we fucking love. Um, And that can be very stressful, Michael, because we now understand the pattern of Bry K. Vaughn. And anytime I become invested in a saga character, I go, oh, no. Very upsetting. Benjamin, 
Speaking of the stakes being high, yes. do you remember the episode of The Bear where mm. Io Dippery's character Sydney couldn't reach the stakes because they were on a shelf that was too high up? They're too high, Michael. And do you know what? I'll keep watching The Bear till I die regardless. Benjamin, we're talking about The Bear because apparently... Yes. What we're hearing these days... Yeah. ...is one of the key reasons that The Bear is so successful, other than it's well-acted, well-written, beautifully shot, well-produced and amazingly cast... Mm-hmm. is that we're just mad for being stressed out of our bin. We're mad for a little PTSD, Michael. It doesn't matter what the situation was. If it stresses us out, we'd like to go back to that good and old-fashioned time of cortisol and misery. <laughs> that was the original name of this podcast. Cortisol and misery. Um, yeah. That would have been a great name for this podcast. Oh, we're doing a rebrand, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, <laughs> cortisol and misery uh, talks about the bloody fractious existence of narrative storytelling in the modern age and why we need to be stressed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this was given to me by my good lady friend who popped this up on our Discord, which is linked down below in the description. If you too would like an episode dedicated to your theme, mm. hop up on the Discord. Give us hop give us some it. ideas. We'd love to hear. We are literally scraping the bottom of our barrel, ladies and gentlemen. We've got nothing. We've got nothing. nothing. I'm a What's husk. Next week? I'm What's a husk week, of a man. I think next week we're talking about hoodies in pop culture. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. On cortisol and I can't even remember what the cool name of our new panic. podcast was. But cortisol and panic. <laughs> cortisol and panic. The other names for those famous Greek gods, Phobos and Demios. But come here to me. What? Come here to me. This was a very good suggestion brought in because the bear is something of an absolute phenomenon, Michael. And you what couldn't it, call it a phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah, a bit of phenomenon. Do, 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 do. But, Michael, it is a phenomenon. And one thing that can be said for the bear that I think is true is that it is not a heartwarming or easy watch <laughs> in any form. The bear has moments of lovely, important connection between characters. But a lot of the time, Michael, especially I found in season two, mm. uh, it it really leans on stressful themes and topics um, to the point where you'd wonder why we all enjoy it so much I think one of the one of the early kind of reactions to the bear was from people in the hospitality industry themselves and chefs um, naturally because the bear is set in a kitchen most of the time and they said oh, it was like working a double shift in my old job and I loved every second of it why would you? Why yeah. would you, you weirdos? Yeah. The bear was praised, Michael, for its realistic depiction of the panic and breakneck speed that kitchens move at in the hospitality industry in the United States. And people ate it up, Michael. Well, one of my absolute favourite episodes, Ben, I think was in season one. And it was the episode where Sydney came up with the idea of having a pre-ordering system mm. where people could go online mm. and pre-order a meal for delivery or pickup. And, you know, Sydney is a young, ambitious chef who's trying to make her mark. But she doesn't plan for quite how popular it's going to be. And when they come in for the morning service, there are literally hundreds of orders waiting for them. And it is a failure of planning, of teamwork, 
of preparation. Everybody panics. Everybody starts trying to do something to solve the situation. And you spend 25 minutes, I think in a single shot, just utterly immersed in this world of, oh shit, we fucked up. What are we going to do? No one has a moment to take a breath, step outside the situation and come up with a solution. And it was a fascinating watch. Was it fun? I don't know. But it was fascinating. Yeah. So I think, you know, when we talk about this, we're we're talking about stress in our storytelling and why, especially in in more recent times, it seems to have become one of the defining traits of excellent television. Mm. And I I think we can trace that route back to, you know, shows like Breaking Bad, where you had, you know, Jesse having meltdowns with Walter White, realizing the gravity of what he's doing. And we got little hints, Michael, of stressful storytelling. But I, I think it's important to draw the distinction between stressful storytelling and dramatic storytelling. We're not saying that the bear is very dramatic or has high stakes because lots of TV has that. Yes. You know, watch any episode of The Walking Dead. If a character dies, our heartstrings are plucked. You know, oh, we, we feel that. Yeah, but I was more upset about them getting those orders out than I am about Jack fucking Ryan, John Ryan getting those nuclear codes back for the president. Yeah, so I think I think the the fundamental difference between what we're talking about here Michael is the bear is horrifically relatable because people experience that stress in real life. This is what I was thinking. This was my take on it that what we're essentially witnessing with this newfound genre of mundane stress is in a world where we are saturated for the first time in generations with science fiction, mm. fantasy, horror, like any genre of scary, horrible thing you want is now happening on the daily. Yeah. And in a way, have we become desensitized to the idea of a six-limbed alien that's going to tear us limb from limb? Or yes. an awful <laughs> trans-dimensional plague... <laughs> That turns us all inside out. And oh, that sounds awful. It does sound awful. It'd be, it'd be gross. But, mm. you know, it's not going to happen. But we could go to work tomorrow and someone could have fucked up and just made an awful day for us. Yeah. So uh, th- this is the thing. Uh, there's one writer, Michael, there's an excellent article from the Daily Beast called The Bear is the Show of the Summer. Why does everyone love it? It's a very, very long read. It came out in July of last year. And the the writer of that, Michael, is a gentleman called Kevin Fallon. He he makes a very good point. He says the, the age of the apocalypse is, is gone because for us, we're living a very mundane apocalypse. And the mundane apocalypse that we are is, oh, that's a horrific thing that I saw happen in another country. I have to make it to my shift for 6 a.m., or I lose my job and I won't be able to pay rent this month. Um, and shows like The Bear tap into that. And I think what's happening is it's a validation of our actual experience. Because, you know, it's it's a validation of, yes, this stress exists. But more importantly, this stress is is of value. It's storytelling. It's, it's a valid thing. Like, the stories are there to be told about this kind of stress. And we've seen that on repeat now. Michael and it's being tapped into more and more 
and more. We're getting shows like Succession. Go on. I've never watched an episode of Succession, the- Ben, but I can't fucking pop my head up out of my hovel without someone saying, have you seen that latest episode of Succession there, Mick? So I, I think, you know, Succession is, for all intents and purposes, Shakespeare for the boardroom. Um, and I'm not unique in my take on that. Everybody says that. It's it's a very understood thing that what what Succession is doing is it's it's updating Shakespeare. It's taking the classic conflicts of any Shakespearean drama and it's, it's bringing them forward in a format that we kind of understand. We don't really have royalty and fiefdoms in the same way that we did in King Lear, but we do have dynasties in a modern sense in huge corporate families. Mm, Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, for example. Our Lord and Saviour, Jeff Bezos, for posterity, just in case he does take over in the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah. We, um, always, we always had your back, Jeff. We always had your back, Jeff. I'll make that into a short this week and try and get it to go viral. That'll be good. Um, <laughs> but at its heart, at its core, is family dysfunction. Succession is about seven people in a family who don't get on. They've never addressed the fact that their father is a fucking twat. They've they've never gone to therapy enough to get over how much they want to appease their father. Not in a sense of greatness or taking over the empire, because that is the backdrop of succession. It's who is going to take over from Brian Cox's huge tycoon um, in the family. Is this not the house of fall of the house of Usher? It is essentially the same thing. But again, Michael, what makes it a little bit different is the horrific realism that is clung to in succession over the fall of the House of Usher. The fall of the House of Usher explores those themes by creating a supernatural entity. Hmm. In, what if there was a sexy ghost? What if there was a sexy ghost played by Carla Gugino? Um, yeah. And Michael, that defangs the stress because when we watch it, we go, ah, well, I'm never going to be haunted by a supernatural force of vengeance. Benjamin, we watched the fall of the House of Usher together and you were absolutely shitting bricks that Carla Gugino was going to come and get you. No, I was endlessly hopeful. Um, <laughs> endlessly hopeful, Michael. Um, fucking sign me up. But come here, in succession, people watch that and they go, oh, I've had arguments like that with my brother. And then we get oh, that little pang of, of coppery fear in the back of our mouths going, oh, I, I, oh, oh, I had an that, argument like that once. Oh, is that duck confit? Is that duck confit? It's come back to haunt me like Carla Gugino. But, you know, we're getting shows like Succession and we're seeing that stress and we're loving it, Michael. Mm. Um, it just Delicious. keeps happening. And we're seeing it again in, in shows like Euphoria. Euphoria is a realistic depiction of teenage stress. Now, very big caveat here, Michael. The people on Euphoria are not realistic teenagers. Okay, good. That's what I was going to question yeah. then, because I've no, seen no, no. some of them. No, no. The people, the, the actors playing them are not. But the storylines are small and petty and realistic. And for parents watching, their teenagers may have gone through that. And for teenagers watching, they're going, uh, yeah, that actually happens at my school sometimes. Um, oh, it's gross. pretty weird, you know? Um, then again, we, we see it in abstracted forms as well, Michael. And I don't want this to turn into a HBO advertisement because it's dangerously close to becoming that. But shows like The White Lotus, Michael, are a very oh, realistic depiction of that. Um, again, it's a service industry centre job. It happens to be a luxury hotel. But a lot of the storylines revolve around the hospitality staff that are put through absolute hell by their psychotically rich clients. Mm. Don't work in... The service industry seems to be the theme of this episode. I mean, 
if you can avoid it, do. I know most people can't, so fair enough. We're not judging you. It just seems to be a very stressful environment. Yeah, Hollywood seems to be judging you, if anything. Yeah, Hollywood are a bunch of pricks, though. So, you know. <laughs> they make all unless, the shots you were just praising. Unless. Yeah? Unless. What? You want to give me a job, Hollywood, in which case you're great. Grand Holly- bunch of lads. Do you reckon Hollywood would sponsor us, Ben? Grand bunch of lads. I fucking hope so. I fucking hope so. That'd be nice. Hollywood, give us a sponsorship there. Give us a sponsorship. What are you What are you tipping tapping? I'm tipping your tapping. I'm giving you an out. We're running out of time, ladies and gentlemen. If Hollywood doesn't want to sponsor us, maybe you could sponsor us, ladies and gentlemen, by clicking on none of the links below because we don't actually yeah, do no, that here no, on the podcast. No, don't sponsor us. Don't, Ben. People will turn off. <laughs> People will turn off before they have time to realise that that was a joke. This episode, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is brought to you by the service industry. Do you feel like waking up in a cold sweat six hours before your shift? Join the service industry. Do you feel like being screamed at by a man who saw his own hopes and dreams fly out the window many years ago and now takes it out on you? on a daily basis join the service industry Whoa. ladies and gentlemen nobody has brought you this episode we do it ourselves we keep we probably will keep doing that unless, unless our take on stress unless Hollywood wants to sponsor us Ben Hollywood get up on get up on the discord Hollywood Give us <laughs> get up on there Hollywood the link is in the description but ladies and gentlemen you too can hop up on the discord it is linked down below in the description and give us some bloody content ideas everything is content ladies and gen- uh, gentlemen in 2024 everything is content give it to us give it to us shower us in your content I'd like to give a special shout out to my good lady friend for giving us the idea for this episode thank you very much good lady friend Then ask the listeners um, what their favourite stress shows are Ladies and gentlemen, what brings you out in the cold sweats? What gave you a bit of PTSD for your own lives in the service industry or not? Give us a shout. Did you work in a hotel? Did you get propositioned by your manager in a creepy no, way like White what, Lotus? That's not what we mean. What shows, Ben? We don't want people. I don't want to hear people's dirty laundry, Ben. I want to know what shows are people watching that are giving them the sweats? Ladies and gentlemen, join us next week on Cortisol and Panic, where we'll be reading out your submissions to Trauma Dumping, the brand new segment on the show that's going to make us big, because in 2024, everything is content. content. In all seriousness, ladies and gentlemen, if you have been listening this far, please consider giving us a review wherever you've been listening, or get in touch with us in a few different Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. You can find us on the interwebs at www.showmrebeog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. Does indeed. You can find us on our ACAST website, www.sureluxurelistenpodcast.acast.com. It means sureluxurelisten in English.acast.com. You can find us on Instagram, where we sometimes go viral and piss off tons of Americans at sureluxurelistenpodcast. Yeah, just hop in and lay on to Ben. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no individual contribution is going to harm him. We're just trying to get him through volume at this stage. Wait until you see my bloody six-episode screen play where I break down the trauma I experienced as a result of those comments. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be called something very Irish, like the Badger. Oh. Yeah, so come here to me, ladies and gentlemen. You can also hop up on threads. You can find us through our Instagram link there. We're up on X at Your Look, Your Listen. We never post on it, so don't go there. But we're also up on TikTok at Your Look, Your Listen. We are, apparently, allegedly. Allegedly, according to the powers that be. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join us in a week's time because we're being a little bit facetious about the fact that we have no content. We do know what we're doing next week. We're going to be taking a look at nature's wrath in storytelling, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to talk about a manga, Michael. Oh God, I'm going to talk about Captain Planet coming and shoving his fist right up your ass for polluting. 
Yeah, absolutely. Don't be polluting Anton. And we're going to talk about the epic new TV series called Duck Confie's Revenge. Oh. It's about how uh, animals are tired of being boiled in fat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> brought forward. That's it from us this week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm off to go and relive my days in the service industry and Mick is off uh, to use a toilet, I'd imagine, because I've used the word Duck Confie Stop saying Duck Confie, Ben. It's my only weakness. <laughs>